Um, I invite those of you who are able to stand as we hear our scripture for today from Mark chapter 6. I will be reading verses 1 through 13. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph, and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And he could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, No money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, motherhood has taught me many things. Among them, the rule of double. With children in the house, there is double the amount of laundry, dishes, and messes to clean up. It took me until Catherine was 18 months old to finally understand how to calculate how long something was going to take when she was in the house. Double the time to clean, double the time to cook, and double the time to get ready to leave the house in the morning. I'm not going to talk about how this math changes with each subsequent child, because I just don't really want to talk about it this morning. (laughs) I went to seminary in Atlanta, Georgia. I commuted there from Athens, Georgia, for four years. It was an hour and 17-minute drive without traffic. And with traffic, it could be as long as two hours and 50 minutes. When I was about 25 weeks pregnant with Catherine on the way into school one morning at rush hour, I had to pull over on the side of a busy highway, cars whizzing by in the right lane at 80 miles an hour. 
and I barely made it over to the shoulder of the road before I threw my guts up. I learned the hard way that day and many days since that it is not only babies who need extra changes of clothes in the car and in the office and at school. Mommies do too. The rule of double. And so the thought of moving on to the next town without double the tunics or double the sandals is anxiety-producing. What happens when you need to throw up on the side of the road and you don't have an extra pair of sandals? What happens when you get honey on your tunic or fall down into the street refuse and don't have a change of clothes? What happens when you're hungry and you don't have any food or any money to buy food? Jesus knows how to make this mama uncomfortable. Then again, today's story is meant to make us uncomfortable. Another detail about today's story is that it's a story about dense people. You know, like dense bread that sucks all the moisture out of your mouth when you take a bite. Jesus often finds himself among people who sure know how to suck all the wind out of his sails. There are two types of dense people in today's story. The first group is the disciples. The Gospel of Mark emphasizes a few important themes. One of those themes is that the disciples are consistently dense. For the disciples, learning to follow Jesus' way is kind of like me trying to learn chemistry. Even with repeated remedial instruction and hands-on training with the master himself, they just don't get it. The disciples, James and John, say, Now, Jesus, we heard all that last will be first and first will be last stuff, but we do need to clarify. When we get to the finish line, he's sitting at your right and I'm sitting at your left. And Peter, he talks a big game. Deny you, Jesus? Never. I got you. But when it all goes down... Peter knows nothing about nobody. And there's this kind of funny scene in Mark 9 where the disciples try to heal a boy who's possessed by an evil spirit. And they cannot do it. Even though they've probably watched Jesus do it more than once. And thankfully Jesus shows up and I can just see those bumbling disciples of his standing there with this confused and relieved look on their faces. Jesus cleans up their mess. The disciples are by no means religious prodigies or spiritual giants. They even fail to meet the basic expectations of loyalty and friendship. Lovable as they are, they are dense. The second, less endearing group of dense people in today's story are the people of Jesus' hometown who reject him. 
And what's sad is that these are, as we say in the South, Jesus' people. The guys and gals he grew up with. The older men and women who held Jesus on their laps before he could walk. The people who came to his birthday parties, watched him play in the streets, and looked out for him when he was a little boy. They are the ones who should best understand what makes Jesus so special. But they do not. The story says that they are offended by Jesus. The Greek verb used here means literally to fall into a trap, which is interesting because the people who had known Jesus all his life fell into the trap of wanting Jesus to be who to them he always was a carpenter, a brother, a son. You know, just Jesus. Instead, he claims the authority of God, heals the sick, challenges the way they do things, and rewrites the guest list of who is welcome in God's kingdom. They say no to this Jesus, and Jesus moves on. What happens between Jesus and the people of his hometown is an incisive word for those of us who are the family and friends of Christ. That is, after all, what the church is, right? We, too, can reject the movement of God when it is different than we expected or wanted. We, too, can fall into the trap of not wanting to grow up in our faith, in our understanding of Christ. And just like Jesus' family and friends, we can go about our lives not even realizing that Christ himself came to us and we rejected him. There are two kinds of dense people in today's story. The disciples and Jesus' family and friends. The truth is that we too are dense people who are part of God's story. It is not, therefore, a matter of whether or not we are dense. It is instead a matter of what kind of dense, imperfect people we are. This is an important matter because I think that many of you and I We love Jesus. When he has a word for us, we want to hear. When he opens a way for us, we want to follow. When he reveals an opportunity to love or to serve, we want to accept it. And when Jesus shows us that we are wrong or that we need to grow, somewhere down in there, We want to repent. So how can we be prepared to say yes to Jesus? So before I answer or attempt to answer that question, I need to say that the disciples make it really difficult to answer this question. Because we know what makes them different 
from Jesus' friends and family is not that they are more religiously or spiritually astute. It is not necessarily their loyalty to Jesus, because in Mark's gospel, the disciples all desert Jesus in the end. It is not their proficiency or capability. As we've seen, Mark's gospel goes out of its way to show us that the disciples are bumbling fools. And then, even more confusing, is that these kind of incompetent, unreliable people are the very people that Jesus sends with the full authority of God as messengers and doers of the gospel. In the book of Acts, the disciples have become the very embodiment of Jesus' mission. Jesus' significant place in history really has to be credited to the disciples' work after his life on earth. Without their witness, their tenacity, their willingness to sacrifice, Jesus would probably have gone down in history as just another fanatic who made one outrageous claim too many and got himself killed. So how can we be disciples who are prepared to say yes to the work of Christ? You know, sermon writing is like proofing yeast. I put the question into the proofing dish, and sometimes I turn around to see that that one question has grown not into an answer, but has overflown the bowl into three more questions. So how can we be prepared to say yes to the work of Christ? Today's story gives us three questions to help us be open to Christ's work in our lives. Question one, what is the gospel? Question two, how can we go and love? And question three, how can we rely and accept? Question one, what is the gospel? Whatever the gospel is, we know it consumed the first disciples. It inspired them to leave behind their livelihoods, their social standing, and whatever they once imagined their futures to be. What good news of God inflames your soul? For we who want to follow Jesus, the question, what is the gospel, is one on which we meditate waiting for God to answer, open to no more and no less than what God knows is best for us. So carry this question with you, Jesus followers, and do not presume you already have the answer. In today's story, when Jesus sends the disciples, he offers them a rhythm 
for, the, for discipleship. They are to go and love, go among the villages, sharing the good news of God by teaching about God, but also performing great acts of healing among the people. So this is why I use the phrase, go and love, instead of go and tell. The disciples are also to rely and accept. When you go, don't be all self-sufficient. Rely on the strangers you visit and accept their hospitality. In the last hundred years, we Baptists have done a whole lot of teaching about God. And yet we see that our world... Our community, people we are around every day, even we ourselves, are in need of great works of healing. Healing from poverty, healing from illness, from loneliness, from trauma. Healing that requires more than teaching. Healing that requires great acts of love. Jesus follower, know this. In our chaotic and fragmented world, you can offer comfort, hope, and thoughtful imagination. You carry God's good news. How does God invite you to go and love? The final question, how can we rely and accept, is one that makes us uncomfortable. We prefer not to rely on anyone. We think we should not need help from anyone. Yet we are explicitly instructed by Jesus to rely on others. To put ourselves in a position to accept hospitality, we cannot repay from people who are not like us. Jesus' instruction reminds us that we rely fully and completely on God. And it humbles us to accept, to rest in the grace of God. How is God inviting you to rely and accept? Motherhood has taught me many things, among them the rule of double. At first, I understood this to be the rule of being doubly prepared, as if I could somehow anticipate all I might need on this journey of parenthood. The extra tunics, the extra sandals, the extra snacks and baby wipes, the extra ultra protection I need to offer my children to keep them from being in any way hurt. If only I could double my level of skill, I could keep all the plates spinning, and I could somehow hold the backup plates too. 
But following the rule of double in this way only leads to physical, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion. And at least for me, it only leads to limiting the work of Christ in our lives. Because then I don't have space or patience for Jesus to change me. God is inviting us to understand the rule of double in a different way. Relying on the people around us, reaching out, connecting, accepting their genuine goodness and kindness and care, allowing ourselves to be loved. Boy, is that ever a way to allow God to double the richness of life? The smallest, teensiest, mustard seed-sized willingness to be loved is enough space for God to double, triple, quadruple grace, healing, and transformation. Jesus followers, if we are not willing to be loved by others and by God, we are not saying yes to the work of Christ in our lives. What is the gospel? How can you go and love? How is God inviting you to rely and accept?